Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. doesn't seem to really hear my prayers and I I don't know if I'm going to get the answer to my prayer. Please be reminded that your prayers are noted, they are heard, they are recorded. We don't always get the answer that we wish and want, but God always knows best and we have to defer to His perfect will in loving us and caring for us. You know, I can look back at my life and I'm thankful that He didn't answer some of my prayers the way I wanted. Anybody else? There are some things that you look back like you really prayed for. You really prayed for. Lord, please, please, please. How do you want to be remembered? Is there a certain attribute you hope stands out the most? Guess what? Jesus wanted everyone to recognize Him for giving His life so that our sins are covered. That's incredible. The giving of life for another. He needs to be recognized as the blood of the Lamb. We're made aware that in the midst of the throne of God in heaven, Jesus the Lamb is the only one that has the power to open the scrolls. Pastor Gary will explain what this means in his message today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 4 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. When people start talking about how there will be rewards in heaven, and yes, there will be. The Bible talks about how Jesus will reward us for our works. Works don't save us, but works will be rewarded, and that we will receive a crown. There are different crowns the Bible talks about. Don't think you're going to be walking around comparing your crown to the crown of somebody else. Because at the end of the day, we're throwing them down. You know, we're going to be undone. There's not going to be anybody in heaven who is more concerned about themselves because we're going to be in the presence of the living God and we're going to be undone and we're just going to be, you know, brought to our knees and we're going to fall on our face and we're going to cast whatever crown we have at his feet and, and worship him. So that's this scene here that John is seeing. Now, again, I believe that this is an indication of how the church is going to be kept safe And this is what we're going to be seeing in heaven while God unleashes tribulation upon the earth. And so John is giving this as preview. This is what heaven looks like. This is, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. All these creatures and thrones and all of this. And then, and then let's, let's tackle chapter five as well. And he says in chapter five, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. So now, now listen, even though God is spirit, there's some representation of a physical presence because he describes here a hand. And he's even specific, the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And in the right hand of God Almighty was a scroll. 
written inside and on the back, which was unusual. In those days, you know, typically they would have a scroll, a, a papyrus that would be unraveled and at both ends, and scribes would write on one side of it and then roll it up and then write again, roll it up. This particular scroll has writing on both sides. So there's a lot that is going on here. There's a lot that is written on the inside and on the back, rest of verse 1, sealed with seven seals. So I want you to imagine like an ancient scroll rolled up, and then the way that they would keep the scroll um, preserved uh, was to attach wax seals. You know, they would melt some wax, drip it, and then they would be sealed. And so there are seven of these wax seals along this scroll. Now, again, there's been a lot of debate. What is this scroll that God is holding in his hand? And what we're going to end up seeing here is that, in effect, what it is, is the title deed to the earth. Because God the Father is about to give the title deed to the earth to Jesus Christ, the Son, to begin to do with the earth as he needs to do in order to wake up the the final uh, inhabitants of the earth that there might be one last opportunity for them to get saved. Look, don't think that just because we are looking forward to the return of Christ and being snatched from the earth, that everybody left has no hope. Everybody left still has hope. Everybody left can still get saved. In fact, it's a unique thing that we're going to read later in the book of Revelation where God actually, to show you the lengths that he's going to go to to try to redeem the unbelievers on the earth, he actually dispatches an angel who flies around the earth proclaiming the gospel. So that people will, will be able to hear it and understand it. So that there, nobody will be able to say, I didn't hear. I didn't know. What about the guy on the island? The guy on the island is going to get the angel declaring it from above. So that everybody has an opportunity to hear and to believe. So while we are kept safely in heaven, and, and all these things are going on on earth, starting in chapter 6, there is still great hope for people who are on earth. That said... They will go through some horrific things in order to get there. So I would rather be on the first flight out, okay? Because the other flights are devastating, okay? So he he goes on to say verse 2 here in chapter 5. Then I saw, and notice he talks a lot about things that he sees, and he's going to also mention things that he hears in this chapter as well. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? So this one angel is just asking this question. Who is worthy to, to open this, this scroll, to undo the seals? Verse 3, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. No one. And so... Verse 4, John says, so I wept much. He weeps because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Nobody. But one of the elders said to me, that's one of the 24 elders, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Praise God. Who is the line of the tribe of Judah? You can make a note in the margin of your Bible, Genesis 49, verses 9 and 10. I will read it. In Genesis 49, this is a messianic prophecy 
concerning the line of Judah. Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And in Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 and 10, it says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so in Genesis chapter 49, uh, Jacob was blessing his sons, and when he comes to his son Judah, this is what he prophesies about Judah. And he says about Judah that the, that the tribe of Judah is uh, symbolized by a lion. And that out of the tribe of Judah, not any other tribe, but out of the tribe of Judah will come one from whom the scepter will never depart. So he speaks here prophetically about how Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Well, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And then here also in our text in Revelation 5 verse 5, it's a mention of the root of David. The root of David is out of Isaiah chapter 11. And I'll read to you Isaiah 11, verse 10, if you want to write that in the margin of your, of your Bible. And here's what Isaiah eleven ten says. And in that day there, sh- there shall be a root of Jesse. Now remember, Jesse was the father of King David. There shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious." And so it was prophesied that Messiah would not only be of the tribe of Judah, but he would also be a descendant of King David. And this idea of the root of Jesse is the idea of from the line of Jesse will come one whom the Gentiles shall seek. So even not just Jews, but Gentiles alike will seek the one who is known as the root of Jesse or here in Revelation 5, the root of David, who was the son of Jesse. And John tells us that he has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Look still with me in Revelation 5, verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, here's our last prepositional phrase, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So here we are introduced to Jesus. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David, but he's also known now here as the lamb. And please note this throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. That is the only title that will reference Jesus, the lamb. 19 times Jesus is referred to as the Lamb in the book of Revelation from this point forward. It is very interesting to note because this is the most favorite title of his for himself. When we first saw a glimpse in chapter 1 of Revelation, John first gives us a quick, kind of just a cursory overview of a vision that he has of Jesus. And in chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, he is presented in a very majestic way. Very majestic. But here he is presented as the lamb as though it had been slain. So Jesus prefers his redemptive description more than any other description. He wants to be known as the lamb. 
This is the one who died for the sins of the world. Why is, it, why is this important? Because remember, the only way in the Old Testament for one to have his or her sins atoned for was the presentation of a lamb as a sacrifice. And God made gracious provision because otherwise there was no way to atone for sin. God basically said, an innocent animal for a guilty human life. If you present an innocent animal, I will accept that innocent animal as atonement for your guilty life. Slaughter it and the blood of that animal that was shed would appease the wrath of God and make temporary atonement for the sins of the people until such time that a permanent Savior could die for all the sins of all people for all time and thus no more animal sacrifice. And that one is Jesus. And so as Jesus then comes and his earthly ministry begins, the first thing that Jesus does to launch his public ministry is to be water baptized by John the Baptist. What was it that John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John was declaring that Jesus is, in fact, the ultimate and perfect and eternal sacrifice once and all for the sins of the world. He is, in fact, that Lamb of God who will die for the sins of the world. Paul will write in his letter to the Corinthians that Jesus is our Passover Lamb. And so it's interesting to me that in all the titles that Jesus could have chosen to use to describe himself in the book of Revelation, the one he chooses is the Lamb. It has been said that the only man-made thing in heaven are the marks of the crucifixion that Jesus will bear. Because in heaven, Jesus still retains those marks of his crucifixion. Remember, he showed, even in his glorified body, the marks of his crucifixion to his disciples. And then the next week to Thomas, who wasn't there with the first group. And he bears those marks even to this day. The only man-made thing in heaven were the marks that were done to Jesus in his crucifixion. He is the Lamb of God. And he now will use this word to describe himself because it describes the redemptive nature of our Lord. He died as a lamb and shed his blood for the sins of the world. That's the beauty of the cross. That's the beauty of salvation through faith in Jesus. Now, he sees a lamb and it, as though it had been slain. So it's, again, it's this picture of our Lord as like a slain lamb. But then it's kind of an odd description having seven horns and seven eyes. So these, again, seven is a number for completion or perfection. Horns in the Old Testament were pictures of power. They were items of power. And eyes are descriptive of wisdom and knowledge. So it's painting a picture here of Jesus, seven horns, meaning he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. Seven eyes, meaning he is omniscient. He's all wise and all knowing. And he comes there in verse 7, and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him, that is God the Father, God Almighty, who sat on the throne. Now, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." So, you know, here there's this, you know, stereotypical thing about, you know, people in heaven, you know, angels with harps and stuff. And it's probably actually like a zither more than than the kind of harp we would think of. But it's a musical instrument nonetheless. And so there will be musical instruments in heaven. There is there's still this element of worship. And so John sees here these these four living creatures, 24 elders falling down before the lamb, each having a harp. But I love that what else uh, verse eight says and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
In Psalm 141, verse 2, the psalmist writes this, in Psalm 141, 2, Let my prayer be set before you, Lord, like incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. What is beautiful about verse 8 is a reminder to us that the prayers of the saints are preserved in heaven. Every prayer that we pray is registered and recorded. It does not go unnoticed by our Lord. That the prayers of the saints are actually preserved here in golden bowls full of incense. And in the Old Testament, when the priests would light the incense and this aroma would, would rise, it is a picture of the prayers of God's people rising up to heaven. And here we find this description of this bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. If you have ever felt sometimes like your prayer's gone unanswered or your prayer, God doesn't seem to really hear my prayers and I I don't know if I'm going to get the answer to my prayers, please be reminded that your prayers are noted, they are heard, they are recorded. We don't always get the answer that we wish and want, but God always knows best and we have to defer to his perfect will in loving us and caring for us. You know, I can look back at my life and I'm thankful that he didn't answer some of my prayers the way I wanted. Anybody else? There are some things that you look at back like you really prayed for. You really prayed for it. Lord, please, please, please. And then it didn't come to pass. And a few years later, you, you're like, I'm glad he didn't answer that one. You know what I'm talking about? And so they're recorded and God hears them. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. So they have the harp going and they have the, they're singing now saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. They're worshiping Jesus, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Please note that. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Yes and amen. Everybody in heaven, listen, everybody in heaven is not just only going to look like you. They're not only going to talk your language. They're not going to just simply be your culture. It's going to be a diverse body of believers around the throne of Jesus from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. At a time in our nation... And it's not unique because sadly, you know, racism and the the racial tension that our nation is facing and, you know, it's been said, I didn't make this up, you know, differences over skin color, it's really a sin issue, not a skin issue. And the church of Jesus Christ better be the people who set the example of what it's like to love one another and to exemplify the love of Christ no matter what the tongue, the tribe, the nation, the people, because one day we're all going to be together in heaven and we better start practicing how to get along now. And he says in verse 10, and have made us, he says about Jesus, you have made us kings. Some translations, you might have a footnote, it says kingdom, a kingdom and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now, you know, when Jesus returns, and establishes his kingdom for a thousand years, the millennial kingdom, saints will rule and reign with him. This is what the Bible teaches us. And and we will help 
discharge the, um, the responsibilities and duties of representing him as ambassadors. And so in that way, we are kings and priests to serve our God. We will reign with him on the earth. Verse 11, and then I looked, more visions, and I heard more sounds, the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Okay, now he's describing, in addition to the 24 elders and the four living creatures, um, he's describing here a multitude of angels. This is probably not literal math, although I actually got out my calculator and, and multiplied. What's 10,000 times 10,000? Some of you math people can do that in your head. I can't. It's 100 million. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million and thousands of thousands. So even more than, than 100 million. Is, is he being literal here or is he just simply saying innumerable? Probably innumerable, but probably even more than 100 million. It's just like he is just awestruck by seeing millions and millions of angels. And can you imagine now the sound? They're singing. They're saying in a loud voice, worthy, verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying. Now listen, before I even read what they're saying, did you catch what he said there? Every creature, every, not just every human being, every creature, every animal, every, everybody in the animal kingdom. He says, I, I'm hearing this on earth and in the sea and all that are in them. Now, I don't know, I don't know if like, you know, porpoises are going to come out and start saying, hey, hey, blessed and honor and glory and power. I don't know what this means. Porcupines, squirrels. That would be a little weird, right? Squirrels singing and talking to God. But I don't know exactly what this means. But he says every creature, everything that had breath, he hears saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Amen and amen. What a scene it is there in heaven. This is what John writes as he sees this in chapters 4 and 5. Now next week starts some really difficult passages. I'll just be honest with you. And we're heading now back to earth where John sees from kind of the, the mezzanine in heaven He sees what is happening on earth, and he's going to describe it starting in chapter 6. And it is devastating, the stuff that's going to come upon the earth. Now, we'll get through chapter 6 through 18. We're going to read all the devastation that God tells us in advance. And then we're going to get to chapter 19 when Jesus returns again. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. So it gets better, all right? But there's a section starting next week in chapter 6 that starts to get heavy here. And you're going to grieve, you're going to mourn, thinking about the loss of life, the stubbornness of people who refuse to believe, stuff that's going to happen in the earth. If you think the world is chaotic and messy now, we ain't seen nothing. It's going to get super, super ugly, and uh, there are going to be cataclysmic events and natural disasters like we've never seen before, and God describes it for us, and he outlines it. Why? So we'll be ready. So be ready. 
Because remember, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, even before events in chapter 6, you begin to see things that we see even now. He says, lift up your heads and look up because your redemption draws near. Amen. And we're looking forward to the redemption of Jesus Christ coming again. So we'll pick it up there next week. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know